But Sam is not a traditional billionaire because he believes in the concept of earn to give, which means his goal as a human is to make as much money as possible just to give it away, earn to give. And that's exactly what he's doing. So let's say that you have $100 and you want to figure out what you can do with it to help the world. Earning to give is thinking about which causes, which charities save the most lives per dollar. This $100 can go as far as it possibly can to help the world. Last year, this 29-year-old guy donated $50 million. Next year, he's planning to donate $500 million a year. And next decade, he will probably give away more than $10 billion. Yeah, that's unlikely. Because his company is bankrupt. And the $50 million he gave... That went to the Democrat National Committee. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these, thankful for partnerships with companies that have shown they uh, they can walk through the storm with the armor of God. My Pillow is one such company. MyPillow.com slash Herman, by the way. Yeah, that was uh, the a, a sizzle reel or a sizzle video for Sam Brinkman Freed. Uh, the CEO of a company called FTX, a sister company called Alameda Research. And Zach Abraham is going to join us to explain this in detail. Zach is my friend and brother from Bulwark Capital Management, chief investment officer there. And Zach's been warning people about this. And it's fascinating to watch now, the, the, uh, once again, people changing uniforms, just like happened during the COVID flu and the medically useless, deadly, politically targeted lockdowns of certain people, and incidentally, conjuring of money, stealing of money, crushing small businesses, and then taking that money and giving it to big mobbed-up companies. Uh, there's, there was the uniform switching. Oh, I was never part of Oh, you know, I didn't lock anything down. I never, I never even suggested stopping society. Fauci switched uniforms. A bunch of blue checks on Twitter switched uniforms. Oh, I never, no, I, I, I was very conservative on that. Now, financial press is switching uniforms. Forbes has come out and said, oh, it's the, the fault of the regulators that this guy got away with what he did. Well, that's, there's an argument to be made for that. Because the head of the Securities and Exchange Commission, according to Forbes, was hanging out with Sam Brinkman Freed. You know, palling around. And Forbes is the same magazine that put this kid on their cover saying he could be the next Warren Buffett. And Buffett, for all his political faults, doesn't conjure things. This kid conjured things. He invented a Hotel California-style investment, by which I mean you can check in, but you can never leave. And that didn't alert regulators? What, you can check into FTX, but you can never leave? And this is how he spoke to Squawk Box on CNN. This is Babel. 
we only had a few days to make some of these decisions. What we basically came to believe was the following. The first was that, if possible, it would be extremely valuable to the ecosystem to backstop some of these places. First of all, just backstopping customers and making sure they're protected. But second of all, stopping contagion from spreading through the ecosystem, right? Stopping it from being the case that anyone who transitively did business with any chain of people who did business with one of the troubled assets themselves became troubled. And then the secondary goal um, was maybe there are good trades to do. Maybe there's an investment or acquisition that can be done at you know terms that we'd be excited about, given the sort of need for capital right now. And of course, he fostered the image of unkempt CEO, t-shirts, wild hair. So how would people have known that this was a swindle? Zach Abraham's going to join us. Zach is the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management, knowyourriskradio.com. And as you know, he's on our show every Friday. We're doing an early, early appearance here. And Zach's firm, Bulwark Capital Management, uh, well, I mean, they were warning against this guy, Zach was, because Zach's entire focus as he uh, stewards money for people. Well, that's that's a hint right there. He views it as stewardship. In other words, we manage these assets for the king, the Lord Jesus. We don't own them. So that gives you a big hint as to Zach's mindset. Now, by the way, he doesn't go market himself as, I'm a Christian money manager, because we both find that um, suspect. I don't think we use the Lord Jesus' name in a marketing approach. I mention it to you because I know that this is what Zach is. And what animates him. But Bower Capital Management is completely focused on risk management. Now, incidentally, does that mean that they don't have crypto assets? It doesn't. But it means that they really track which assets they have and what percentage of monies ever go into crypto. They're very careful that way because when you're in your risk management mode, which they always are, you hedge your bets. You have hedges upon hedges upon hedges. And here's like this, this, this kid getting this through the regulators, having people like Tom Brady singing his praises, uh, incidentally get mobbed up with Ukraine. If that's not a risky financial world, I don't know what is. So again, it's getting near to the end of the year. Have you had an opportunity yet to check in with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management to see if your portfolio will withstand the chaos economy? I I suggest you do that now. And call Bork Capital Management at 866-779-RISK. And the closer you are to retirement, the less risk you can stand in this chaos economy. Bork Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Zach Abraham joins us now with Bulwark Capital Management. Zach, let me ask you about this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, this company FTX. And let's start with this. Um, I see now Fortune has a column up where they're saying it's the fault of the regulators that this guy wasn't seen to be running the pyramid scheme that they did. Was that the same Fortune who said that this guy may well have been the next Warren Buffett? Was that the same publication? Oh, oh yeah. Yep, yep. Um, So, yeah, we can really trust their take on it, right? Right. yeah, it, it, it's w- watching this thing on on Ravel uh, has been fascinating because it, I think more I think more now than any time in history we have an investor uh, population or body or willing to completely set aside uh, you know any any notion of 
uh, of you know plausible deniability or or however you want to phrase it um has been so uh bent on making profits that it, it, this thing reeked from the very beginning i mean yep. and it's why we never got involved it's why i was telling people to be extraordinarily cautious with crypto altogether uh, I think that there's valuable technology in the space, but when you look at the space, when you looked at how, when we started looking into these these exchange companies uh, like FTX, um, they, it, it, what was shocking to me is like everybody was fired up about the technology, and we were sitting there going, guys, if if you kind of if you kind of read through the smoke, um, it, they're kind of coming out and admitting to you that their business plan is a Ponzi scheme. Um, so, wow. you know, we, you can, you can walk me, you know, you direct this anywhere you want. I I've got a lot of information on this and, and I'm happy to go any direction you want, but this Sam Bakeman freed was basically a creation of the modern media. Um, he was, uh, kind of playing his Elizabeth Holmes role with his, you know, unkept look and, um, you know, soaring rhetoric and never getting down into details. And, um, it just, you know, I, I wouldn't have stood on a public square and called the guy a fraud, but you just listened to what he said for five minutes and you're like, none of that makes any sense. Sorry. That math doesn't, that math doesn't level. And yet here we are just like Elizabeth Holmes, you know, people drop dropping tens of billions of dollars. And uh, you know, now I think they're, they're reaping the rewards. Yeah. And remind everybody who Elizabeth Holmes is because I think it's a perfectly good comparison. <clears throat> Elizabeth Holmes was the leader of that company called Theranos yeah. that basically said that we could run full blood examinations on you with just a drop of blood as opposed to a vial. And, <clears throat> and there was so much consternation about that in the medical community because there are very good reasons why they need that amount of blood for you. And yet you can imagine what a game changer that would have been. Right. Uh, had that been the case. And again, it was all of these investors that were willing to suspend disbelief um, and political actors. And then that's the other thing that reeks too, is when you see these guys that supposedly have the investments of a lifetime that are throwing mi millions, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions at influencing people and winning over politicians. If you have the greatest investment in the history of mankind, wouldn't you be dedicating all of your capital to that as opposed to paying to get mobbed? Right. You you only need to get mobbed up if you need to get mobbed up. Right. So let, right. Let, let's talk about the mobbed up part of this because this is this this is where this begins to reek on a level different than a simple financial fraud. I mean, well, quite honestly, we live in a country filled with financial fraud. I I know what this guy did. I mean, he went out and fleeced ordinary Americans. Like I think it's five million investors he fleeced, as I see it. Mm -hmm. I consider it a fleecing and a you know, you're calling it, it's, it seems like a Ponzi scheme from the beginning. There's now leaked financial documents apparently showing that they had $900 million to back up $9 billion in promises. Um, and so we've got all that, but. Well, and, 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 and not even really 900 million, right? That's the other thing is that the, a lot of the assets that these guys were reporting on their balance sheets were, were existed of things that we refer to as native coins. And so to, to get onto their exchange, a lot of the way, and I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm making a lot of gross uh, uh, summaries and, 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 you know, I'm extrapolating here for the sake of time, yeah. but, but 
essentially the way this worked is they developed these native coins that the way that you got onto their exchange is you had to purchase those native coins and you could not sell them right it was like your ticket to be on the wow. exchange so all you have is money coming in no money going out so what happens to the price of the coin well naturally it goes up wow. and then the exchange and its insiders own 80 to 85 percent of the float okay so they're then the, the, by definition they're pushing up the price of this and then they go to investors and they go look at this we've got a billion dollars worth of assets on our balance sheet well no you don't because if you were going to go sell those in the open market you'd kill the price of that asset in a day wow. right so yeah they had 900 million but not even well but then they got some money uh and they got it from a country and i'm under try, trying to understand the, the flow of events here so you have this cryptocurrency this guy has a, ch uh, a then i think attached to this this trading fund that his ex-girlfriend who's 28 and looks 15 runs and she appears to know that they, they all appear to know that this was a fraud um and then a country called ukraine uh, decided to uh, to get into business with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, or now they're saying Sam Bankman-Fried is, I think, his natural nickname for this guy right at this point. And Ukraine yeah. decided uh, to shift a bunch of money over into uh, FTX. Now, had Ukraine come into a bunch of money recently? <laughs> just a little yeah yeah <laughs> all right so they, they and 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 this is oh no and I, I was just saying yes and then and then you also have uh again this is unfolding and so some of this will change but yeah. there's also appears to be some really solid links with the ccp as well oh good um, where his his <laughs> yeah oh yeah. good oh they this is this has got all the usual actors and we haven't even gotten to schumer and maxine waters yet okay let's so get there the the yeah, well, Gary Wang, his supposed partner who nobody has spoken to and nobody has talked to, who the only real proof of him that exists is that he was involved in a previous internet fraud having to do with a poker company. Wow. Um, and again, very tied up to the CCP. Supposedly, uh, he and Bankman Freed met in Hong Kong. Uh, and then may have gone to school together in Canada. Anyway, nobody can find this guy. There's no real good pictures of him on the internet. Yeah. And supposedly he's this multi-billionaire. So what it looks like is it looks like this was kind of a money laundering business for every bad guy and every bad corrupt organization and country in the, in, in the world. That's, that's what it's kind of looking like. Okay. And so Ukraine, which we're told, um, you know, Zelensky is um, some people on the left who hate or don't believe in God want him to be considered a messiah. Sean Penn, Penn went over and gave him one of his Oscars. We know the story with Zelensky. His country <laughs> decides to take some money that they've, they've sort of um, run into. Uh, that would be American taxpayer dollars. And then invest in this platform and also to do it sort of a, a, a GoFundMe this is where you can show you care uh, for Ukraine by buying these um, native coins you can't then sell. And then um, Sam uh, Bankman-Fried did something very interesting with $50 million of that money. Yeah, he became the second largest behind only Voldemort himself, George Soros, the second largest funder of the DNC. And, um, and, and, this is where there's a little bit of confusion. People go, well, they had to have some money on their balance sheets. The, the way it looks like right now is that Alameda Research, which was basically think of it as like the trading arm mm -hmm. uh, of, of um, 
of FTX, the the exchange. Yeah. Um, basically, it looks like a lot of that money that was funding his lifestyle and he was giving to they were just pulling that money out of out of customer accounts. So that <laughs> that's that's kind of. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So literally the DNC got, which, which, you know, really shouldn't surprise anybody, right? They, their second largest funder was funding Biden's. He was Biden's second largest contributor. And it appears that the, the majority, if not all that money was stolen out of customer accounts. Oh my goodness. And 50 million cold goes to the DNC. Now, at least, and, and you have to give them credit, I've seen that um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have stepped to the table saying, uh, we're going to give that money back uh, to the people. <laughs> <laughs> As of today, that has not occurred, uh, apparently. This- no, no, no. The only moral part of this entire story was the good that came out of the 50 million that was donated. Right. So, right. Yeah. They're actually, they're actually the silver lining to this disgusting cloud. Um, So, and then the reason that he was doing that, and this is why you can find on the internet, you know, video of Maxine Waters blowing kisses to him. Yeah. uh, Standing arm in arm with his good bud, buddy, Chuck Schumer. What he was essentially trying to do is he was pushing a piece of legislation called the DCCPA which was a, a, a proposed bill to quote unquote regulate the space. But when you start looking at the bill itself and you start understanding the tenets of the bill, what it essentially would have done is build a regulatory moat around FTX, preventing them from being regulated. So giving them an unfair advantage over every other exchange out there. And the, the muscle and truthfully, the bill probably would have. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying here, so I could easily be wrong. But in my opinion, had you not seen the hit to crypto valuations across the across the, you know, the landscape like you have, um, th- this legislation probably would have passed. And if it would have, it would have basically made FTX this standalone exchange that couldn't be regulated by anybody. And his good buddies in D.C. and from the DNC were all too happy to help him push this legislation through. Why? Well, because he was supporting a good cause, right? He was he was he was funding the cause, and um, they they were just going to piggyback him right over the line and basically give him immunity. Uh, put this in perspective. Uh, I, I mean, there's that part, which is, of course, to be expected in a lawless party and in a country that is under a cultural revolution. This is the way the game gets played, because as you're raiding the Treasury for the cultural revolution, someone's not going to get raided. That was going to be Sam Bankman Freed, but apparently uh, he went too far. Uh, put this in perspective to a Bernie Madoff. Uh, I think I've read the analysis that Madoff went after rich people who at least had the resources to hire accountants and tax lawyers and others to look into this stuff if they'd not chosen to follow their greed and you know chosen i think to get duped um but put this in perspective of that or enron how how big is this zach i mean in terms of size we'll have to see the way it filters out i think it's far larger in scope than anything else because if you look at the Madoff story, you know the headline is it's a fifty billion dollar Ponzi scheme. It was, but a lot of those assets, you know, kind of incredibly were recovered, um, because I, it appears to me, you know, now that everything's filtered out over the Madoff thing, that a lot of his fraud was just ego, meaning 
it wasn't like he was out there. I mean, he, he disappropriated client funds. He took them for himself. He broke every law that existed. No question about it, but it wasn't a smash and grab job. He wasn't trying to, he was just trying to look like one of the best managers on the street and fabricating his returns. And he was holding an unbelievable amount of client cash because he wasn't actually investing it. So, you know, horrible crime. When, when you look at this though, and yeah. you look at how central Sam, I, the equivalent would be like, if, if, I think a, I think an equivalent would be like if you found if if rather than Madoff, it would have been BlackRock or Citadel that did this. Okay. Because because T, FTX and Sam Bankman Fried were the guys in crypto, right? And so there's so many other frauds that the success of FTX facilitated. Okay. Right. So the 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 the, the I, I think the fingerprints of this. Now, are there going to be some that are unfairly grouped in and castigated? Sure. But the fingerprints of this are across the entire crypto landscape. So in my opinion, when you when you when you look at the tentacles and how far they stretch out, um, I think it'll be the biggest financial fraud in history. Uh, and then there there's uh, who are saying that this is when the Fed comes in and says, OK, now you need to uh, now you understand why it has to be a central bank digital currency. Now you understand why it needs to be the government because we'll protect you from this. The same government that participated in this. And we got about uh, 90 seconds left with Zach Abraham here. And so, Zach, let me ask you this. Um, uh, first of all, do you think that they say never let a good crisis go to waste and swoop in and say this is why it needs to be a so-called central bank digital currency? Do you think that's that's reasonable? Yeah, I mean, it's reasonable. I, I will be interesting to see what their response is, um, because, uh, you know, the vast majority of the thrust in crypto land is the fact that it's not tied to a government. So I think it'll be kind of a weak uh, effort on their part to tie. But yeah, but to your point, I mean, this if, if there are those true believers out there that really want to push that Fed digital yeah. currency or ECB digital currency, this certainly puts more more bullets in their chamber. That's a fact. All right. So obviously, you guys on the podcast, you know, uh, Zach Abraham is with us every Friday. Uh, I think this is now the second time I've had you in the radio show, or at least no, this is the first time I've had you as a guest on the radio show. And I appreciate that. Um, and but I played audio of you on the radio show. So let me close this out by saying on Friday on the podcast, I want to get in depth in this, Zach, uh, which is yeah. how does this compare to what uh, the government, the Fed and the Treasury have done by illegally buying corporate bonds? How does it compare in terms of the scam and the swindle? So can we, we'll, we'll talk about that Friday on the cast. And um, like in in uh, in closing this out, folks, this is why uh, I have Zach on and why I trust him so much because he'll come around and, and just give us honest analysis on this stuff. I don't know how many times he said, hey, this story is going to evolve and change. So thank you, my brother. We'll talk uh, in depth on this Friday. I appreciate you coming on. As always, Zach Abraham, Bull Capital Management. I was joking with Zach earlier that <laughs> we, we normally record later in the day uh, when he's had more bone frog. Not quite. <laughs> we got him going. You know, it used to be for me that uh, coffee had become simply a stimulant. And I defend my uh, addiction to that this way, that, um, that my body doesn't produce much, sometimes any adrenaline anymore. And try to figure out why that was. It has to do with the intense period of fight or flight uh, that I experienced as a dad during the, the horrible season. Uh, through which God was forced to have me go through because I wouldn't take the knee any other way uh, with our with our family and our our daughter. 
And so it used to be just a stimulant for me. And to some degree, it still is. But now there is this taste factor that, and this is, man, don't tell my wife. Don't tell her. Actually, she's a huge listener to the cast. I saw the other day that (laughs) we didn't get the full range of flavors of the frog. Now, this is my fault. I could go manage the subscription, but my wife is kind enough to do that for us. Have you tried all the blends? A bone frog coffee. If you've been sampling bone frog, have you tried all the blends? Because this morning I was kind of jonesing, and this is so bizarre that I'm going to say this for the light roast. It's called Zen Zen Frog. It's kind of jonesing for that, and a dark roast, a medium roast, but I didn't see any Zen Frog, and never in my life did I ever speak the words light coffee without saying something derisive or negative. But this is the care with which they blend these coffees. It's not just that Tim is a 25-year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. It's not just that they work with vets whenever they can, hire vets whenever they can, work with veteran-owned companies whenever they can. It's not just the Navy SEAL Foundation and proceeds that go there to help the families of fallen Navy SEALs. And this would be a great time of year for them to get some extra money, wouldn't it? Which can equate to expressions of extra love. It's the coffee. And it's the care with which... Tim at Bonefrog went about creating partnerships with guys like Dave Stewart, who's a coffee legend. Hey, if you've subscribed to Bonefrog, thank you. You get 5% off when you do that at bonefrog.us. Make sure you try all the blends. And if you're still sampling, make sure you try all the blends. And if you're already subscribed, have you looked into the merchandise as a gift this year for fellow, I don't know, lovers of SEAL culture, maybe retired SEALs or even active SEALs themselves? It's bonefrog.us. Uh, there's a temptation, uh, and I think it's a natural temptation right now to ask ourselves how much of what we see is real. No, for real. That's 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 not it's pun not intended. So let me explain why I'm saying this. Is we just talked with Zach about this company FTX, and again we're going to dig into this deeply on Friday. How much of anything was real there? I mean, there was a website that's, is that real? I mean, it exists. You know, code takes up tiny little bits of matter. That's been proven that computer code has weight. Tiny little bits. I mean, almost immeasurable. But it has weight. Uh, but inventing a coin And then saying, the only way into my exchange is to buy this coin, but you can never sell it. I mean, as Zach was saying that, I was thinking about this conversation I had once with a cab driver in New York. I was with my friend, Ed, and we had made one of those insane flights that we used to make back in the startup times. Um, Ed and I flew from... Seattle um, at night. We flew the red eye. We landed at JFK in the morning. We were in the cab headed into the city to do business all day. Then that night we would turn around and we would fly home. Uh, and by the way, that's a great way to feel like you've left your soul behind that. I mean, that's, that's a form of jet lag. That's, that's so confusing because you're lagged and then you're not lagged. We got into this cab with this guy, and I am always curious about the people. If I'm going to do an hour-long ride with you, may as well get to know you a little bit. 
You're a fellow human being. And this is before I was discipled. So I didn't sadly look at this as the discipleship opportunity. Not that it always has to be. I sometimes just like to get to know folks. And started talking to this guy about the cab business. And he shared with us that he had scrimped and saved that he and his three kids live in a lived in a two bedroom apartment out in Queens. Um, but, and this is what he told us, but I, I own this cab. I own this cab and I own three others. And this is my kids college education. This is my, my retirement, this cab. And then the other cabs are, are more of our retirements and, and our, and our healthcare funds. And I said, really cabs, he goes, well, it's not the cab. It's the medallion. I said, okay, well, so what's the medallion? He goes, well, there's the cab license, right? That's my license. And then there's this medallion I have that as a medallion owner, I'm a licensed cab owner. I said, and, and from whom do you buy that? He goes, oh, the government. I buy it from the taxi commission. I said, so these are super valuable. He goes, yeah. He goes, I have um, the apartment we live in. It, it was in New York. Sometimes when people live in an apartment, it's like a condo, but they call it an apartment. Uh, he said, yeah. In fact, uh, my second cab, we mortgaged our house on that. That's, that's, our, our, that's the collateral on our house. I said, what? How much is this medallion worth? He goes, each of my medallions is worth, uh, depending on how long I've had it. Right now, my medallions are worth about a million bucks or more each. So probably 1.5, depending. What? For a cab medallion? He goes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess so. You're a paper millionaire. He goes, oh, it's not paper. These are, this is the most solid investment. He goes, secondly, you know, I'm 60. And I've been driving cab for 40 years. So I don't want you to think that this is some kind of overnight success. And I said, no, I'm not here to say you aren't a hard worker. That when I say paper millionaire, I just mean because you don't have the money. I said, Ed and I are paper millionaires. You know, we're in the dot-com stuff and, and we're paper millionaires. So look, I, I see us as the same. But could you sell those medallions? He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I could sell those medallions today for a lot of money. I get offered, you know, people want to buy my, my, buy my medallions. Fast forward. I'm guessing 10 years later. When Uber and Lyft came into the marketplace. Those same medallions, I remember reading about this. Might have been worth maybe. $300,000. And I thought about that man. I can picture him to this day. This is my retirement. This is my health care. This is my kids' college education. My house. My home loan is secured by these. So the mortgage company could have gone to that man and said, sell that one medallion and pay us because it's now a risky investment. He would have been short by a million bucks. But he still had the cabs. He still had his hard work. But he was no longer a paper millionaire. He was paper bankrupt. And as we look through our world, I just ask us to reflect on what is actually real. FTX, in my judgment, was never real. If you force someone to purchase an asset to get into your investment, but they can never sell the asset, then from the very beginning, as Zach said, it's fake investments. But this goes so much further. 
goes so much further. Beyond election theft or rigging, because you know I talked this week that I have a feeling that these elections were rigged, um, and but probably through legal fraud, fraud that has been legalized. I asked myself, how much of this election was real? Now, let me explain that in a second. Let me explain what I mean by how much of this election was real. Because I don't believe I'm playing with words here. I think this is something so significant about um, the time in which we live. And uh, it will shock you to know I observe in this a message from God. I know that's shocking given the uh, podcast job is to put God at the center and conservative politics at the edges. You know, we so quickly talk sometimes about uh, soda weight loss that that I, I feel sometimes glib. You know, I feel like the words, I got rid of 150 pounds of unwanted fat kind of rolls off my mouth glibly. Like, and so can you. Uh, you can do it. If I did it, you can do it. So I want to make sure I ground this in the reality. And that is that... Um, Excess body weight can be, body fat can be uh, enormously painful. Uh, I've talked to people who vacillate in their body weight. And I've talked to people who sometimes weigh 115 pounds and sometimes 240, 250, 270. And the way that they feel they're treated differently. The way that they feel People meet their glance, uh, the degree to which people are polite to them. And I, I think that's probably true. It's, it's a human failing. And man, I, I pray to the Lord to help me not ever judge anybody about body type because I know what it's like. And of course, my dad was morbidly obese. But let me address it from a different perspective. Uh, if you are wanting to lose excess fat to be treated better, I hurt for that reality. But if you're wanting to lose excess fat to be treated better, could I suggest that maybe that starts with you? That's in the soda weight loss protocol. Yeah, they're going to take care of the foods and the cooking classes, um, that those are available. There's Christian meditation, as I say, the convenience foods, the weigh-ins, none of this you have to be there for. They're going to take care of the conversations about food and help you understand your trigger foods. But could I also suggest in this process that maybe this is an opportunity for you to reclassify food mentally? Because I wonder how much of that excess fat around your body has to do with a bad belief about yourself. And I wonder how much shedding that excess fat might also help you shed that bad belief about yourself. I wonder. I think it would have been, I think it would have done amazing benefits for my own father. And yes, I would have recommended it to him as I have other family members. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. So how much of what we're living through is actually reality? And there's this statement that I dislike of my truth and your truth. And this is thrown about, by the way, in therapeutic circles I otherwise respect. Your truth, my truth. And what they're saying is perception. 
So in this past election, how many people got spammed the ballot and saw that they had a ballot and know that they've never voted or only periodically vote, but they filled that thing out and they either mailed it in or they had a ballot harvester come and get it from them. And they did that because they were literally fighting Nazis, literal Nazis. I have to think that the number of people who filled out ballots thinking they're fighting literal Nazis is pretty small, but in pockets of the country, it's pretty real to people. In separate countries of Washington State and Portland, or I should say Western Washington and Portland and Austin and San Francisco and the normal suspects, usual suspects, there's, a, there's blocks and blocks of people who exist within a community where they literally fight Nazis. With every breath, every time they go to a social justice cafe, they are fighting literal Nazis. And every time they fill out a ballot for a Democrat, they are fighting literal Nazis. And every time they put a pronoun into another social media profile, they're fighting literal Nazis. And then they're not. How real is an election? When the reason people colored in circles on a piece of paper was because they're fighting something that they're not fighting. How many people got spammed ballots, realized that they rarely vote? I'm thinking of the 18 to 29 year olds who had huge turnout and went uh, almost completely for the Democrats. And they weren't going to vote, but they're aware and painfully aware of the fact that Republicans are literally killing trans kids literally killing them by not giving them the only thing that will save their life, literally killing children. And yet these are the same people, of course, who've convinced themselves that an abortion is literally not killing a child, literally not. It is a clump of cells. Plus, it's my body. How real were these elections? The consequences are real. Uh, the figureheads may well have more power. Rather, the people who run the figurehead may well have more power. How much of this is real? I'm thinking of a time. I spoke with a priest named Father Andrew. And I tell this story from time to time, so I'm sorry if it's bedragging it. Uh, I think about Father Andrew around Christmas time because I flew with him around that time uh, to San Francisco, him next to me. He is a Luddite who gives himself two, maybe three days in the world of technology every year to see what it's like. Other than that, he is a, an, he's an, a Russian Orthodox Catholic priest uh, in a ultra Orthodox sect that is in um in the far, far uh, Northeast. And Andrew shared with me a story of someone who was denying reality. I'd shared with him the death of my father and how that came to be. And he told me it was a good death. And Andrew knew because he'd been in a lot of deaths as a priest, not in, but around. And Andrew said to me, um, yeah, it's not always that way. 
And he told the story of a guy who was dying and Andrew kept trying to get him to accept the Lord Jesus and kept trying to, to say, look, confess your sins, come to the Lord, wash this in the, in the cross, be washed by the cross, be washed by the blood of Christ. And this man kept saying, what I've done is too wrong. It's too perverse. And I'm angry at God and I want nothing to do with him. And he wants nothing to do with me. And Andrew continued to say, no, but you're wrong. The Lord does want something to do with you. The Lord loves you. The Lord wants to absolve you of your sins. He wants to do that this very moment. He will welcome you. You are the prodigal. He welcomes the prodigals. And no, I refuse. I would be a hypocrite. I've, I've disbelieved in God and now hated him most of my life. And he knows what I've done. I would be a hypocrite. And then that man died. And Andrew was there with the family. And they disconnected the um, EKG, you know, that was making all the noise. Man was clearly dead. And hours went by. And then that man sat up in bed. And he screamed at the top of the lungs, Oh, no, my soul. Oh, dear God, no, my soul. And then the body collapsed again. That man was Father Andrew's dad. Who had refused to accept the Lord Jesus. And then he came to the reality. He was confronted with the ultimate reality. The things that we feel at the soul level, such as something is deeply wrong with this election, that's, that's invite for me the reason that we would have that on an evolutionary sense. The feelings that we have for even strangers in trouble. Like when I talked about people who are obese, I picture people and that pain and that, how is that evolutionary? There is a reality. You are too complex to have been made at random. There is a reality. DNA is code. It's readable, repeatable, it's falsifiable, it's testable, it's observable, it's code. There is a reality. Our planet is perfectly placed in the universe. It's the only planet from which you can observe the entire Milky Way. It's the only planet we know of right now that has the correct mix of gases for us and minerals for us and temperature and varying temperatures. How much of what we've constructed is real versus how much of what God made is real? When things really crash, we're going to find out what real investments look like. Investments in friends and family and community and, yes, food and water and the real things that you can touch, feel, hands on. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember the real things that God made.